Hello, this is Two Teachers Talking with Charles Wiz and Tony Silva, where we get together and talk about some topics that usually might not be addressed between teachers and explore things and look at what we've done and what we've done right and what we continually do wrong and figure out where we can go from where we are. So, Tony, today we're kind of continuing along our October kind of fall job hunting theme and today we're talking about interviews yeah aren't those fun i actually sometimes i usually tend to go in with a pretty good attitude towards interviews i think they're fun i'm good at interviews i oh actually maybe not (laughs) otherwise i have a (laughs) lot more jobs (laughs) anyway let's start off with um i think it might be fun to start off with the stories that we have of a interview either you know the interview that went really well or went really badly and uh why don't you take a gander at that? Okay, I've got I, I've got actually a, a pretty good. It's a little bit long, but it's a really good story about um, job interviews, and especially when you when you're first getting started, you're you're looking all the time, and you're always sending out the you know the CVs, and you're always doing interviews and things. And um, this was a, a period when I was doing a lot of looking because I really wanted to get out of a uh, of a full time job that's in, so I had a lot of a lot of days to replace. So I was doing a lot of looking. And it was a, you know, kind of a maybe a, a dark year in, in my life, maybe. And uh, spent uh, the interviews was on. I had two interviews on Saturday, two different schools, and um, I was much younger, so of course was out drinking on Friday night. Oh and, dear! Oh dear! And, and getting quite vocal, and you know, having a good time, and you know, fair uh, fair amount to drink and. And then got you up woke up. Got up what? Oh, I was going to say, then you woke up and found out you had done the interview. <laughs> well, I woke up and I knew that I had the interviews, but I did regret having drunk so much because it, 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 I knew I was not at my best. Um, so I go to the first interview. It was at uh, it was at a um, Catholic girls' junior college, and um, which means that it has a lot of overtones of high school. So. It's a, a kind of a high schoolish kind of building, a very, very attractive, nice old building, and uh, you had to remove your shoes. Okay, and that's no problem. So I removed my shoes, and I'm escorted to a, a waiting room, and uh, I'm in the waiting room, and uh, I guess there's somebody you know be getting interviewed before me, and someone comes in and says, and I think, well, this is my call. And I say, well, excuse me, we've got a little bit of a problem. I go, huh? <laughs> And uh, I come out, and in the uh, what would be the the gangcon, the entrance hall of the school, there's the the guy who's interviewing before me, who has the same shoes that I have, <laughs> <laughs> and he can't tell his shoes from my shoes. Really? Says, well, we don't know what to do here. Same he size. Says, well, I think I think these are mine. It doesn't take a good whiff. I go, yeah, these are mine. Uh. And so we do that, and then. Not done, <laughs> and then oh, that wasn't the punchline. So that's that's fun. Everyone has a little laugh, and you know the, the tension is broken. And just as before, we walk into the door of the interview room. Uh, one of the guys turns to me and says, "You live in Nishinomiya, right?" And I go, "Yeah." He says, "Were you at Were you at Fujiya last night?" Oh man, man no. <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, I was sitting right in back of you." I'm going, "Oh." Well, come on in, have a seat. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm having the interview with this guy who was sitting in back of me the night before I was getting loaded. Oh. 
That Actually, was a, that was a I don't know. There was a period of time in Japan where that would have been a positive. Well, yeah, I guess so. But this, this was a, this was a foreigner. He wasn't Japanese. He was another another foreigner. Oh, okay. Um, and but you know, happy ending. They did offer me the job. Okay. Which I didn't take. I ended up with someone else. And then I had an interview later in the day and going to, you know, a real bear of a, this, this school was, um, I think, North Osaka. And I had to, this, I had to go to Higashi Osaka from there. And I was still relatively new to the area, didn't know a lot about the trains and uh, didn't know the campus at all. It was a huge campus and finding the right place. And I'm hungover and I haven't had a thing to eat. And I had the second interview. And that goes pretty well. Um, and the guy, one of the guys says, well, have you, how would you like to go for a drink afterwards? I'm going, okay. Well, that's <laughs> a good say. sign. It's a good sign. And I got, and I got that job offer as, as two. So I thought you were going to say that the guy turns to you and says, by the way, were you at Fuji? <laughs> <laughs> well, then you'd know I was making it up. Uh, no, that <laughs> so I had to go drinking okay. with these guys and, uh, and I got lost on the way home. Oh, what, what a, what a, what an episode that was. But those actually sound like two kind of fun interviews. I, well, now they sound like fun, but okay, that's true. The, on that day, it <laughs> wasn't much fun at all. With the hangover, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, it's it's a it's you never know what's going to happen. Okay, well, I'll give my story, which is the opposite one. I'll mm. do like the an absolutely bad interview, mm. um, and this was in in the Tokyo area, and I was got the interview, and I'm waiting, and it's in this old decrepit building, right, and. I'm waiting and waiting, and it's again, it's one of those Saturday interviews, and I've become to realize that Saturday interviews are not good for me, <laughs> and maybe for similar reasons as you've described. Yeah, but right. I just think right. I'm unlucky on Saturday interviews, but I go there, and there's a little waiting area, and I go in, and I'm taken into a room, and this is for people who have never interviewed in Japan. You kind of expect like one person or maybe two people, and I walk in, and there's like eight people. And there's a, the tables are put into a U shape, and there's a chair right in the center in the open space, and not even a table for you. Mm-hmm. And you just have to sit down at this chair and put your you know briefcase down and sit there. And so this is the first time that's happened to me. And of course, naturally, I'm kind of looking around for like the electric strap that's going to be put on my head, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because it really does feel like you're going like. <laughs> to be electrocuted, and just. Some of the most inane questions I'd ever been asked. And at one point, um, you know, because I was working part time, one of the people in the interview, some person turns to me, says, you do understand. And this is I'm interviewing for, I think, a three or four year contract position, full time contract position. And the person turns to me and says, uh, you do understand that if you get this position, that you will have to give up your other jobs. And, you know, I just sat there and I mean, I really had to bite my tongue because I was kind of like, excuse me, but, you know, are you disabled in some way that I visibly can't ascertain? (laughs) You know, it was such a stupid, moronic question. And I thought to myself, this is just somebody who's never been in the real world. And I knew right away at that point that there was no way, even if they had offered me the position, that I could accept it. I, I had no interest in the position at all after that. 
But interesting, here's the funny point. A couple of weeks go by and I get the Dear John letter from them saying, mm. you know, thank you very much for applying, however, blah, 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 right? We've mm. decided to choose somebody else. And they had sent me a different person's letter. <laughs> so this was obviously a totally disorganized group of people who had, you know, what I considered to be zero professionalism. Yeah, that, well, that happens. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so those are our interview stories. And I think we've covered kind of like the positive area where things go well, and then the one that doesn't go well. So let's get into the meat of all this. Let's get into the heart of this. Um, I think that there is basically two kinds of interviews. Um, when we're looking at jobs part-time, particularly where you either interviewed by one person who's responsible for the hiring. Yeah, one one or sometimes two, but yeah. Right, right. You know, personal, there's, there's... Personal kind of interview. There are, yeah, right. Yeah. Very personal where one or two people are responsible. And then there is the panel interview, which... Mm -hmm. <laughs> which is, uh, um, as you described it with your story, which when the first time you're confronted with that can be very disconcerting. Well, I know somebody who actually walked into the interview and found themselves on, on a stage in an auditorium with 20 people in the audience. It's kind of, Well, it's, yeah, it can be very much like that. Or as you described, like, you know, a, a classroom with a chair in the middle, you know, without anything in front of you, without the desk, just the chair where you are completely exposed and completely vulnerable and, yeah, just subject to all these often inane questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just not to say that they're inane. I mean, I've been in those situations where the questions have been fantastic, and it, actually the interviews have been incredibly enjoyable. But you have to be aware that sometimes it's going to be one-on-one, -on -one, and sometimes it's going to be a panel interview. Yeah, and you, and you have no idea what how to you know what, what to expect or which, what it's going to be. And well, sometimes you can ask, right? I mean, depending on um, who you talked about, and that can be also very helpful. I mean, if you have the opportunity. You know, if they call you for the interview, talk on the phone, or you know, whether it's an email or a letter, um, yeah, you're certainly within your rights, and I don't think it's in any way negative to ask, hmm. you know, what kind of interview it's going to be, how many people are going to be doing the interview, um, will there be a, a sample lesson? Oh, usually they tell you about that, but we can get into sample mm. lessons and uh, my the the bane, the curse, yeah. the the silliest thing ever, I think, right? But the thing to remember is that if it's a full-time position, then it's always a panel interview. Mm. That's a good thing to remember. It's always going to be a panel interview because that's going to be the department people, mm -hmm. all the department people. But part-time interviews can vary, mm -hmm. I think. Unless – no, that's actually – I have one situation where a full-time – this is when I had um, a job at a, a – it was a position at a – University in Tokyo, where there was one person who was doing oh, I've the had, hiring. I've had them. All, I've had both part-time and full-time really? interviews all over the place. I had a full-time interview at a guy's house. Really? Wait, how did you dress for that? Um, did you know it was his house before you got there? Uh, yeah, yeah. How yeah. do you dress uh, for I that? I wore a, a shirt, tie, jacket. Huh. What did he wear? Um, he was casually dressed. It was a disaster. I mean, it was one of those places that yeah. I've, Glad I didn't get the job. Okay. Bullet missed. Ah, you know, one time I was uh, years ago when I was still in California, I was applying for a job at a peer counseling program to be the assistant director. Same thing was at somebody's house, and I had no idea how to dress for this. And I had a friend who was a pretty bright guy, and I said, "Hey, Greg, what should I do?" And he says, "Listen, you wear your suit, you wear, you know, wear your yeah, tie." Always. And he says, "And as, if you walk in and everybody's casual, he says, just loosen your tie." <laughs> and I thought, yeah. Yeah, "Good move." Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's and then as a general thing, yeah, don't, do not ever 
be afraid of overdressing for the interview. No, no, no. You always have you, to be. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Especially in Japan. No, in Japan, it's expected. And I, I think even a sport coat and slacks would not be acceptable, right? It would have to be Depending. a suit. That's, that's, well, was this guy's house, and that's why I did. Okay, but that's unusual. Slacks. But that's unusual, somebody's house. I've never heard that before. Yeah, well. Okay, so you dress nicely. Afterwards, I'll tell you who it was. You won't be surprised. <laughs> okay. You dress nicely. <laughs> you know who it is. Oh, God. Or you will know after I Anyway, tell you're groomed properly, right? Grooming. So, so extremely important. Yeah, yeah. First impressions, right? Um, we talked last week about the, the, the CV being, you know, kind of your face. Well, this is your real face. And, um, and as you've talked about before, you know, people make their decisions very fast. Oh, yes. The first impression is extremely important. And um, again, you can't go wrong with, you know, the formal business attire, right? Right. Not a jacket, a a suit. Dark suit, white shirt, or, you know, striped shirt, whatever, good tie. And uh, look conservatively. We can really give much um, advice for women. I mean, the same kind of things apply, right? You know, business attire, not too much makeup. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. That's really true because I do. I never even think about you know for a woman how it would be, but right, you know, it would be a business suit. Exactly, same rules. Yeah, and, and remember that it's it is Japan, and even if the decision makers are not Japanese, um, they're also going to be looking to see you know, your your own awareness of the Japanese environment, and so yeah, um, business attire and, and conservative. Right. I mean, the same rules always apply to you, whether you were applying for a job in the United States. Always mm. go, go to the conservative route, mm. right? Do not wear your green tie and orange shirt to an interview mm. <laughs> or the green Of suit. course, you're on time early. No, no, you're – ah, this is something I think that's really important. If you're going to go somewhere for an interview and you've never been at the school and it's a big school, go the day before sure. and find out where you're going. Yeah. Or you have to get there two hours early or an hour early, you know, get a sense of the place, know where you have to be. Right. That's what was so discombobulating to me on that, the day of my right. stories where I had to rush basically mm. from one, finish one interview and rush to the other place Yeah, and um, that I had not oh, been to before. So. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was hard. And the other thing that's really true is in Japan, October, we're still pretty warm. We're still pretty humid. <clears throat> You're probably going to show up sweaty. So what I tend to do when I do interviews is um, I I dress there. Yeah. You know, I um, make sure I have a fresh shirt that I can put on. I did on. that last year, as a matter of fact, exactly. Oh, did you? Yeah, because I've, I've gone to interviews soaking wet. <clears throat> you know, where you know, I just sweat a lot in this weather. I just can't handle humidity. So, okay. So the clothing thing, I think, is pretty clear. Hair should be whoever. What about facial hair for guys, Tony? Well, I don't Beards? think it's an issue as long as it's trimmed. I mean, right. if it's neat. Right. Um, okay. Because some people ask it, that question. Does it fit the face? I mean, again, you're 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 going to you're applying for a job as a teacher. They're going to be thinking about you um, in a classroom with their students. Um, if you look too scary, well, that's going to work against you. I mean, you're going to be you know take a critical look in the mirror. Okay. Um, but I think there was a period of time where if you had a beard, it was a no go. In fact, I remember I used to shave my beard off 
when I would do interviews. But I think now it's a little bit more open as long as it's trimmed and nice. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, the, the grooming thing, right? Right, okay. So I think we've got everything covered pretty much there, right, in terms of grooming. Yeah. Let's so. get into like, okay, the interview itself. What kind of questions are people going to be asking to oh, people man, in interviews? Oh, man, all over the map. There's no way to predict. Right. Um, I mean, and you, you really don't know. I mean, they'll ask um, – Thing, and they'll ask about maybe some of the research that you've put on your CV. They might ask about um, your your philosophy of education. They might ask about methodology. Uh, they might ask you about your reaction to specific student situations. Like, for example, a problem student. How would you handle X, Y, or Z? Um, that can be all over the place. Mm. You just got to be ready for almost anything. Okay, so that's one of the major things, and is you got to prepare. Know your know the major people in the field. Know the major articles. Know what's happening currently, and usually you're you in your CV that you send in. You kind of have an area of specialization, right? Most people specialize or have a certain focus. Right. Make sure you're up to date on that because there will be questions about your yeah. area of yeah. specialization. Yeah, be able to pull something out and be able to address any you know. Questions that might come up about related research to you know, whatever you're claiming your area of specialization is. Yeah, and usually those questions are going to be how do you take you know something that's theoretical, right? How do you take the theory and apply it to apply a classroom it? situation? Always be able to answer that question. Yeah. You should be able to say, okay, I look at this part of second language acquisition, and this is how I bring it into the classroom. Make sure you have your teaching philosophy down that you can succinctly say it in about – 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Oh, here's a great question then. What about the average length of your answer? Because some people drone on and on, don't they? Not yeah, on, and yeah, I'm not talking a, about yeah, myself here, up. am I? Yeah. Um, the, one of the big mistakes that um, people make in interviews is, you know, stop. You answer the question, answer it completely, and then stop. <laughs> no more, stop. no less. Um, yeah, one of the worst things you would just drone on and put people to sleep. Oh, the worst thing is just to have a super short answer and then leave people on the interview committee hanging trying to figure out the next question. Right. That exactly. would be the worst thing to do. And if you don't know, say, I don't know. By the way, here's something I suggest to people who are beginning um, in, in the field and are starting out in their interviews. If you ever get asked a question that you don't know, a really great response is to say, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that. I should know that, but if you provide me with um, you know, um your Meishi, your business card, I'll get the answer back to you by tomorrow. Hmm. Right? In other That'd words, be very nice. Yeah, think about it. You know, if you were in an interview and you asked somebody about something in their field and they said no, and they said, you know, I should know that, but I'll get back to you by tomorrow if you just give me a Meishi after the interview. Hmm. Then you look That's like nice. somebody That's with nice. a yeah. So there's always a way to take a negative and make it positive. Sure. Okay, so you have to know your field. Um yeah, know the big guns. Right. And why they're important. Um, and if you say, for example, this is really common. Remember, I think years and years ago when communicative language teaching was the big thing. Right. Mm -hmm. People would come in and say, well, I'm a communicative based language teacher. And then people go, OK, explain that to me. <laughs> right. And then, <laughs> you know, you kind of go, uh, uh, well, it's communicative based. You know, so you need to understand what you're saying, what the you know, background is, what's the context. If you yeah, don't can, go out, don't go out onto the thin ice. If you don't know what you're saying, don't then say you it. Don't say it because it'll just make you look bad. Yeah. That's really true. Okay. Other kinds of questions that you're going to be asked. 
What do you think? Um, you might very likely be asked about specific experience um, that you've had in, in the past and things. And what um, one of the questions that I would ask people and you know, get them to think again, I'm telling people to shut up, but what I would do, I would make them not shut up and I would have them ask them to tell me stories, uh, either a, a very good teaching experience that you've had or a really bad teaching experience that you've had. Tell me the story. Mm. And uh, while they're talking, it gave me a chance to, you know, study them a little bit, listen a little more to their, uh, you know, their language, mm. a little bit more about their outlook, their philosophy, um, their attitude. Okay. You know, what is it that they enjoyed? What, you know, not we've all got successes, we've all got failures, right? But how do they, um, how do they uh, handle that? How do they assimilate that? How do they, what do, what do they think about it now? What's their attitude, et cetera, et cetera. So, okay, yeah, I've never had those questions asked. I mean, usually most of the questions are pretty technical based. You know, they ask about papers. Although one time I had a really great. Um, this was for the last position I applied for the position I'm in currently. I was in the interview. Again, it's a, one of these panel interviews, and there was oh, you know, eight people, seven people in the room, and I'm in the chair and at the hot seat. It's really a hot seat. And half the interview is being done in Japanese and half the interview is being done in English. And one of the professors turns to me and says, well, um, how do you motivate students to study and learn English who have never been motivated before? Right? Very mm -hmm. common question, right? Mm -hmm. And I've heard that question so much and I've always given answers. Well, I think it depends on your approach, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know why for this reason. I just looked at this professor and I said, sensei, if I knew the answer to that question, do you think that I'd be here interviewing for this job or counting my money on a tropical beach? <laughs> and I don't know why, but it came out and I was like, oh, God, no. It was my mouth, you know, I guess, you know. And everybody just burst out laughing. Mm. So um, – but you will get that question, and that'll actually lead us into the question of whether or not you should even risk a joke, which is always a gamble. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a big risk. It's a big risk, and I myself, I wouldn't do it unless I had some indication that this was part of the of, of this school's culture, at least this group's culture. And so, it's hard to tell because everybody you know, gets very dour. If someone else in the group or the the head guy has already cracked a joke or two. Well, then, okay, well, then this is this is an area we can maybe go into because maybe they don't want somebody that's going to be a stick in the mud. You know, they want somebody with a little bit of life. But you're not going to be able to tell very feet, easily. Clever and whatever. Um, yeah, I might risk a joke. But ordinarily, especially if <clears throat> most or all of the uh, mm. interviewers are Japanese, I don't, I don't feel confident that they would be ready for uh, a joke uh, because it's – very easy to be misunderstood. It's like, you know, we as Americans, we, we, that's a standard, you know, stress release. I mean, that's what we, how we break the ice. We, with humor, we start our speeches with jokes all the time. Very, very common. It's here. I think it can be very, very easily be misinterpreted as someone who's not serious about their work. Mm. Yeah. I, I have no <laughs> idea why that came out really, or, know what the actual decision making was but it worked for me i got lucky but i would say most of the time you know if especially for people who have never been in japan sometimes it's it's really really hard to read people's emotions yeah, yeah. in fact I, I remember i made him um i ended up 
waking up late one morning um, for I was supposed to proctor for some very small test at one university, right? Mm. And I woke up late and I got there like three minutes after the, me- the you know, the pre-test meeting began, right? And I just felt terrible. Anyway, the next day I kind of talked to my senpai and I said, uh, you know, sensei, I just want you to know I really screwed up. I showed up late for the pre-test meeting yesterday. And he said to me, he goes, so Charles, was anybody angry? And I just looked at him. I said, how would I know this is Japan? <laughs> <laughs> and he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. So he kind of burst out laughing too because he he got it. It's really sure. true. You're not – when you go into the interview – especially if you're recently arrived, do not expect to be able to read the usual interview signals, right, of people are interested, not interested, are they paying attention, am I doing well, am I doing badly? It's really hard, and I have come out of interviews thinking that I've bombed and gotten the the invitation for the job, and I've gone to interviews that I thought went really well, and um, they have not gotten the position, so... That's, I think, one thing is it's very hard to read the situation, and it's going to vary from school to school, as you pointed out, right? Different schools have culture. And that goes to the next thing that I think you mentioned, right, is that we have no idea what these people are looking for. Right. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that in the next episode, the whole um, thinking about, yeah, I mean, from the other end, you know, from the interviewers, what are people looking for? Right. Um, And, you know, we, as an interviewee, you know, you're – putting yourself you're you're just opening yourself up you're making yourself entirely vulnerable and you're putting them at their mercy it's like you know please judge me um and you know when you get the job or not or what you know this feed you know or misreading or reading the feedback that you're getting um it has nothing maybe may have nothing at all to do with your abilities or employability as a teacher but they might be looking for something very different right um you know maybe they're looking for a researcher and you're you're Oriented to the classroom. Exactly. Maybe they've already got five or six hot shots in the classroom. Maybe they want somebody who can do a schedule. I mean, you, you just don't know what they're looking for. And they're not going to tell you. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's why you have to be honest and clear and do not prostitute yourself for the job. I think we talked about this before where don't be desperate. You know, you're interviewing them as well as they're interviewing you. Do you like the people? Do they seem to be asking intelligent questions? Are they asking the right questions that indicate that these are people you'd want to work with? I think those are important things to take into account as well. What I was saying before was you're interviewing them as well as that those people are interviewing you. Right. We've talked about this, right? You know, you know, listen to the kinds of questions they're asking you. Do they are the questions sensible? Are the questions reasonable? You think, wait a second, these are bright people who are interviewing me right now. I like these people. Or asking or are they asking you just, you know, questions that indicate that they don't have a very clear idea of what they want or who they want or anything about the background? Yeah. And uh one of the you need in terms of the what you're gonna ask, I think you have like maybe two different purposes. Um, one, you want to maybe ask some questions that uh, tell the interviewers that you know something about their school or that you are interested in them for a specific reason. You know, if you've got, like again, your area of specialty, if they're doing something like that, show that you know about it. And the other thing that you want to do is to ask, the quest- ask questions that will give you the information that you need to know to make a decision about them. 
right? Because because they're you know, they're going to make a decision about you, yes or no. You also are making that decision about them, and um, the interview is your chance to get the information that you need. I mean, whether it's something very practical about it, like average class size, or um, the classes that are available and how they fit into the curriculum, or um, you know, just a an, I, you know, philosophy of, of the department. What approach do they take? Um, how teachers are evaluated. I mean, what what are the expectations? I mean, those kind of things. Um, well, I think though that if you're in a um, Japanese interview, it, you, you're not usually given the opportunity. Do you have any questions? Right. That's what I think. I have not had that question offered to me very often when I've been interviewed by you know mainly Japanese people. How about you? Uh, my recollection is that usually at the very end, that they usually do give you the opportunity to ask questions. Really? Maybe it's something I'm supposed to politely say no. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've always always had. When some can I start? Right. Right. When can yeah, I like start? That. Like, what do you okay. pay anyway? Right. Um, well, those are by the way. They're never going to tell you what they pay you. Although so I do don't ask. <laughs> right. Although I do know somebody who was a. Uh, interviewing for a part-time job and he told me that he thought the interview was going well and then at a certain point he said the guy said do you have any questions he says well i would just like to ask what's the compensation for this part-time job and the guy hemmed and hawed and wouldn't give him an answer that's a warning well that's uh, but it's not uncommon and it was to a westerner to a westerner interview that's the thing Uh, so there are different considerations but here i want to go back to the question asking which is that it's usually you can get those questions in and get that information. So an example would be somebody say, okay, Charles, you know, how would you teach an intermediate level listening class that was geared towards students who need to be able to listen to academic lectures and understand them? And what you do at that point is before you answer the question, that's how you get an idea, for example, class size. You say, well, could you give me an idea about how many students would be in the class? Could you tell me whether it would be first year or second year and how much experience they'd have? So what you do is turn the question back as a way to gain more information sure. about the program because you're not going to be able to say usually at the end, I think, well, I have like four questions about your program. So make sure that if you get asked questions that you can ask clarifying questions back mm-hmm. and then you can get an idea of what people are talking about. Right. Good, good, good point. Yeah, because again, you know, I'm used to – you know, waiting until the end of the interview is when my when they say, "Well, do you have any questions?" And that's where you shine usually in a, in an American interview. Mm-hmm. People are waiting to see what kind of questions you have that show that you've done your homework about the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah, this reminds me of another point, just about the you know the differences and things. And and I don't know if this is um, valid or or universal, but my thinking back, my impression, my observation is that. In um, interviews um, in the States, most of the time people are trying to look for what you're able to do. They kind of look for your strengths. Um, what can you do? What are you good at? And uh, it seems here at both both sides of the, the interview um, desk or table, whatever it might be, um, people tend to be looking more for negatives. They, they're looking for um, danger spots or trouble spots. They don't look for the positive things. They look for what might be a problem. They look, they're looking for problems. Well, I Deep think they're points. looking for people, they're looking to make sure you're not a troublemaker. That's that very know, true. You know, I remember um, 
talking to somebody who was a full-time guy who was getting ready to retire, and he said that his department was hiring, and he was complaining that, God, they want somebody who's going to get along with everybody. They don't want somebody who's going to rebel against the system. And I was just thinking to myself, how long have you been here? <laughs> you know, do you do you have any idea what you've just said to me? Because, no, most people don't want a person who's a troublemaker. They might want an innovative thinker. They might want somebody who's cutting edge, but nobody wants trouble because remember, especially if it's a full-time job, but even in a part-time job, a lot of what the interviewing people are trying to do is they say, do I want to work with this person? Right. Exactly. Do I want to see this person for the next 10 years every Monday? Is this person going to be a feather in my cap or a thorn in my side? And here it's even it's so even I deeper. I think you're than right that. about yeah, the negatives. That's absolutely true. Again, no one no one wants to hire a headache. Yes. But here it's not only um, the personal headache, but the whole uh, senpai kohai relationship is that when someone makes a decision or recommends that you be hired, when you screw up, he's going to he or she is going to hear about it. Um, they have taken a big responsibility on by hiring you and when you do well it shows it reflects on them and when you screw up it reflects on them too so yeah they are going to be very careful about that and i think it goes a long way to explaining why they're looking for those possible trouble areas right well i think you're right about that that they're looking for the negatives because for a lot of people there's a long history of difficulties with you know foreigners working inside of japanese university institutions and it's gotten better because people are now more accustomed to the situation on both sides by the way i should add right mm -hmm. that there's been a lot of movement towards a center point where everybody understands each other but if you you know think about it put yourself in their shoes you know, do you want to hire somebody who's going to be cause you trouble, who's going to give you a headache? And by the way, no one enjoys hiring. That's a real big key. Nobody wants to be on the hiring committee. Nobody wants to have to go through reading all the CVs. Nobody wants to have to go through the interviews and making the decision-making because, as you say, right, somebody's going to be held accountable. So... When they hire someone, they really are looking for more than just one year. They'd really like to hire somebody who will fill that position for a long period of time. And they can forget about you. Exactly. And it's that like they don't a refrigerator. Have... You know, you plug it in. <laughs> and it runs. And, and it just, you, it went work, don't say anything, and just shut up and do your job. That's right. Just keep everything cold, everything cool. Exactly. So just keep that in mind, you know, that... Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of reasons for it, too. The other thing is, you know, if you, you hire somebody and they turn out to be a, a fantastic teacher, no, not many people are going to hear about it. Yeah, the point is, you, <laughs> you screw yeah. up once, everybody's going to know. So it's the, what people notice and what people remember are all the, the bad things, all the problems. So, yeah, they had a teacher that he was always 15 minutes late. So they're going to, when they do the interviews, they're going to say, well, do you have a problem getting to class on time? I mean, they're going to remember the negatives. They're not going to look, focus on the, the fact that, you know, the success that you've had in the classroom and what you've been able to do or brilliant things that you've done. It's like, yeah, they're kind of focused on, you know, making their lives easy. Yeah. Well, Understandably. Right. Well, you know, whenever they say the boss wants to see you, it's never a good thing. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So we've covered, I think, a couple of those points. Um, what about um, what I'm going to call the 
be prepared for what's called the minimalist pass question. You know, those where somebody asks you a question that you think is so obvious and the answer is really easy and you wonder why they've asked you that question. Mm. And this is um, usually happens in a panel interview. And someone once turned to me and said, okay, so how do you maintain continuity in a classroom where there are 40 students in each class? This was the opening interview question. And there was about 18 people, by the way, on this panel. Ooh. Yeah, interview committee. It was a big interview committee. Huh. I'm guessing. Hold on. Let me try to think. There were six, at least six on. Yeah. Okay. Maybe 14 to 18 people. Okay. And this person starts off the question exactly that. How do you maintain continuity in a classroom with where you have 40 students in the class? And I'm thinking to myself, this is a no-brainer question. Why are you asking me this? So I immediately answer, well, you start and end every classroom with a review. And he says, okay, thanks. Let's take a look at your research now. And that's when I realized that was the minimal pass question. You get no points or credit for answering the question correctly. But if you do not answer the question correctly, the interview's over. Mm. And so be prepared for those kinds of questions. They're basically trying to weed out a person who knows or doesn't know anything about teaching or about research. So don't respond or be shocked, but just think, okay, let me just answer the question succinctly. Hmm. Have you ever had any of those? I can't recall that. I'm still, I'm still kind of in, in shock by the 18 people. So I'm trying, I'm still trying to picture that in my mind. I, maybe Actually, it was one of my I best. I think I've had maybe 10 or 11. Okay. Wow, it was. That's, that's pretty intimidating. Well, it was one of my best interviews ever. I mean, I, I remember uh, at one point in <clears throat> time, I, uh, in the interview, I'm thinking, you know, this is going pretty well. And I I walked out of the interview knowing that I nailed it. Hmm. It was just a really, really good feeling. And, yeah, it is, isn't it? It's really, yeah, really I've nice. I've had those too. Yeah. Okay, so you'll have the minimalist question. And then there's what I consider to be pretty much the thing that I abhor. And you know where I'm going with this one oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that is... Sample when the, lesson. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Again, and... Uh, um, it's it's required quite often by, by places they they they're of like really no value whatsoever. It's a totally artificial situation, but you can't decline. Well, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, how and I mean, you know, and the sample lesson is usually done to the people who you're interviewing. They don't bring yeah. in fifteen students for you to do your lesson with. It's um with people who are either your age older or slightly younger they're not students what do you do how do you handle that i don't know uh, don't apply for those positions yeah <laughs> i can't <laughs> walk out walk out have you have you walked out of an interview oh god no but i wish i have yeah. and i regret the ones i didn't walk out on but on the other hand you never want to burn a bridge right right i so, did have yeah, the, the sample lessons um yeah Again, hopefully you, you you know in advance that you're going to have to do one. Hopefully you know in advance um, what the uh, general area is going to be. You know, they might be something very specific about a specific grammar point that they're going to have to ask you to do or something else. Um, well, what do you do? You, you you do your best. Okay. Well, here's um, what I what I would I've done, which is and you shouldn't make the mistake of actually trying to create an interactive lesson because most people think, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to create this interactive lesson and I'm going to have them responding and we're going to be engaging with each other for 15, 20 minutes because that's what they usually give you, right? Yeah. Instead, what you do is you have your lesson plan, you know, with clear goals and objectives. You pass that out, pass out your materials, and then go through the lesson with them. 
it's a sample lesson. In other words, so you pass out the material and you say, okay, so here is, I'm going to start off with the review activity. It's a simple gap activity. And then at this point, a lot of people would say, okay, please do the gap activity. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to do that. What you say is at this point, the students would be now doing their gap activity and I would give them approximately five minutes to do that, have them double check the answers with another group. And then we would now move to the second activity. And then you say, please look at page three or four. In other words, the sample lesson doesn't have to be a virtual or simulated lesson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In other words, Good a sample point. lesson is show them what you would do, but don't ask them to do anything because what they'll end up doing is you'll say, okay, let's start the lesson off with, okay, how many people have traveled to a foreign country? And none of the people on the panel raised their <laughs> hand. So in other words, you'd say, show them the materials and show them how you'd use it and then move to the next materials. Yeah, yeah, That's your how description is bringing back all kinds of nightmares. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Things that I've tried to forget. Right, but you understand. Back. So yeah. instead of that, don't ask them to participate, demonstrate but the I lesson. Like I like that. You know, and that's how I would handle those. But I hate those sample lessons. But I would just give the materials and explain how you'd use the materials. Yeah, and Because the, what they'll do is they'll see your materials, mm. right? And they'll see how well you can organize the lesson. So that's what I would suggest. Yeah, okay. and it's so, it's so the opposite of what we normally do, right? It's because don't explain, show. You know, mm. that's what we normally do. But right, but you, here you, you would do, do the, the difference. You, you, have to, you have to do the opposite here. Yeah. Well, no, the but I, I like it. That's a good point. Well, the problem is you think you need to show them that you're an interactive teacher and that you're not one of these, uh, what is it called, chalk and talk kind of people. Mm -hmm. But that's mm -hmm. just not going to work. This is a chalk and talk. Yeah. yeah. But you're showing so, them yeah. what you would do in the classroom yeah. and how you'd can't, use can't the materials. Do what you ordinarily do. <laughs> right. And then, you know, it works really well. But if you ask them and, to participate. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that sample lesson. Oh, God, um, I hate those. Okay. What else would you add for interviews? Well, we talked about the difficulty of reading um, the uh, interviewers' mm. reactions and uh, their impressions of you, but um, you can sometimes get uh, a sense of the – like we talked, I mentioned the, the institutional culture mm. by watching the interaction uh, among the various interviewers um, in terms of uh, you know, the power structure – the politics, hmm. um, you know, the, the atmosphere uh, of the place. Um, you know, are these, look at the, do these people look in any way happy or do they, are they miserable? Um, are they sniping at each other? Is there a feeling of com camaraderie? Um, you know, what all these, you know, and, and sometimes it's not obvious. Again, you know, it's very hard for us to read this and they're all going to have, um, you know, very often uh, a poker face and difficult to read. But, um, you know, just keep your eyes open for that kind of thing. Well, okay, let's see if we can come up with some real concretes here. Okay. What would be an indication that you're doing well? Well, you're <laughs> after all these smile, years, you're not going to write. It's very helpful. But I mean, you can um, sometimes get a smile, but don't expect it. It would be rare. You're not going to get smiles. But you're going to, uh, I think you can look for, for eye contact, you can look for people who are actually listening to what you're saying. Right. Um, if people are asking you follow-up questions to what mm -hmm. you've said, that's a really good sign. It might not mean you're doing well, but it might mean that they're they're still paying attention to that's you. That's right. You're still you're still in the running. Yeah. And but by the way, beware of the person who's silent. 
because I for all kinds found, of reasons. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, usually I find that's the real power. The real, the person who's maybe the most senior or who actually is the mm-hmm. de facto head of the department or group, that person will kind of sit back and allow things to happen. Right. But it's really hard. But um, if people are looking at your CV and marking your CV, that's not a negative, I think. No, I, no, I think you're right. And uh, you, you you might, um, if, if it's a smaller group that's interviewing you, you might get shot. Um, the... Um, when you they, they they pull out your CV and if you, you within you know visual distance if you can actually see what they've been pretty scary how marked up some <laughs> have been and how carefully they've looked at that CV and gone over it and the, the, I've been amazed at the notes that were on uh, my CV by one of the people who were interviewing me once. Yeah, I think I saw a bunch of Hello Kitties on mine once. <laughs> Translated the whole thing line for line. Right. Oh, that reminds me. A good thing to do is always make sure you have a copy of your cover letter and your CV that you can look at and reference if somebody asks you a question. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way, by the way, of getting a little bit of extra time. Which I always bring us... extras for uh, people who might yes. show up without them, right? They might very, have very copies. good. I always bring a, a few extra. Uh, that shows you're prepared. Right. Okay. So let's segue real quickly into... Um, buying time in, with your answers. Mm. Okay, what do you do when you get asked a question and you need a little bit more time to answer the question? How we would tell you? Re- a story. Okay, <laughs> that rem- that reminds me of a time when, <laughs> okay. and you you pull a story out of your hat and then then you answer the question. Okay. That's what I would do. All right. Other things you can do is ask for clarification of the question. Mm-hmm. You know, please say, excuse me, can you provide me with a little bit more context of what you're thinking or um, what that actually means? Um, As you said before, size of the class, level of the students. Right, right. Um, the first year, second year, third year. Is it a, what, what are the goals or objectives? Is it, is, exactly. is it an AV room? Is it a regular classroom? What kind of tools do you have at your disposal? And, and so on. Good. Yeah. Okay. But don't be scared to say, you know, excuse me, um, that's a really interesting question, and I really am thinking about it. Okay, now I can answer. I think that's not – because remember, you're in a culture that admires carefulness, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that you take a second or two to answer is actually not a negative. It yeah. shows mm-hmm. that, well, this person is considering the question. So, again, remember, it's in this very interesting cross-cultural thing. And I think interviews, even more than meetings, are incredibly treacherous minefields mm-hmm. to navigate. Okay, so I think we've covered quite a bit, um, Tony. And- yeah, I, I think so. And maybe just uh, before we get into like a, a summary of things, just to add that um, every interview, even the ones that, you know, the ones that, you, that we want to walk out of, um, they're all they're all uh, good experiences. Um, you, you learn from that. You know um, what kind of questions people ask, good or bad. What what are they looking for? You know, even if the interview is going terribly, um, yeah, don't just don't just shut good off. Good point. I mean, if you you know have the presence of mind, just like okay, where did where did this get derailed? Mm. What happened? At what point? Um, and you know, learn from that so that when you, you at the next interview, um, you can you can avoid the same kind of thing. That's a really that good point, do. right? I mean, I had an interview, and um, it was I think it had to be the worst interview ever because it involved me being lectured mm. for twenty minutes by this 
guy, and I can't describe him any more than as a guy who I think he inherited the position from his father, you know, one of those owners of a school who, yeah, you know. And this guy was just so impressed with himself, and he had no idea. So I go into the interview, and it's 20 minutes he lectures me about the changing um, environment in Japanese education, Mm. and I'm thinking – Excuse me, you don't think I would know about this? <laughs> and then, you know, he asked me some questions. And um, actually, this was really funny because at one point he's looking at my CV and, and they required a PhD. And I had put down that I was in the PhD program. He says, You don't have your PhD. What are you doing here in this interview? Which was pretty rude from this guy. Sure. And I looked at him and I said, Well, excuse me. It says that I am in the program and your people invited me to the interview. So, of course, naturally at this point, the interview is dead. Sure, There's no way sure. I'm getting the job. And I re- really wanted to walk out, but I didn't. But um, actually, interestingly enough, this guy was made me feel so bad <laughs> that I actually got home and took like a really long shower. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those situations. And then I talked to other people who had similar experiences. But the point is, even if the interview is bombing, then use it as a, a tool. Say, okay, how can I dig myself out of this hole? Or how? Let me test out some possible responses and see how they are. Because if once the interview, you know that it's not going well, then you have a lot of freedom to do things. Yeah, right. You got nothing to lose. Except one time, though. Got to be careful, though. Um, the last time I, interview I did for the, my current position, I, I remember calling my wife and saying I bombed the interview. Don't worry, we were not getting the job because I thought that I hadn't done well. And mm-hmm. um, an hour and a hour later, hour and a half later, I got a phone call back with um, the person offering me the position. Oh, that's so that's yeah, nice. Yeah. It's so fast. Oh, it's so rare. Oh, yeah. By the way, by the way, that's a good, really good point. It's usually really to your advantage to be interviewing in February. Or March. If oh, you yeah. if people are hiring in January, February, and March, it means that there's a lot of pressure for them to fill a position. Yes. And <clears throat> you can do really well. And that's the reason. They had a full time position. It had they had already done their first round of interviewing in October. Had not found anybody. And it was the beginning of February and they really wanted to fill the position for a full time person. And mm-hmm. so um, you know, those are the good ones. Yeah, timing is, uh, yeah. is is very important. Yeah, and and you want that advantage. You want you want them to be the desperate ones, not you. Exactly. So do not um, think that a late interview. The only problem is then that you have to notify people who you work for pretty late. Yeah. But just remember that those are kind of ideal. The late January, February interviews. Those are really very very good. In other words, that's where they're. They're not in a position. Then it's a buyer's – it's a seller's market, I think, right? Is yeah. what we'd call it there. Right. Okay. All right. Let's review with the big okay. takeaways. I think that's – I kind of tapped out here. Yeah. Okay. Make sure you back up what you say. CYA. Yeah. Know your stuff and be, be honest. Right? Prepare and study before. Know um, your stuff about the school and also about what you claim to be and what you okay. claim to know. Yes, you know, research, yes, Research your own yeah. background. Do not make um, yourself out to be anything. Yeah, know but your you're stuff. Not. Do your homework. Okay, be honest again, right? Yeah, because it'll uh, come back to bite you. And as you said, listen. Don't run yeah. on and on with your answers. And what I say is, feel the fuinky. You know, feel the atmosphere. You know, try to sense what's going on. Yeah, listen. Eyes open, ears open. Right. And uh, remember that you're um, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing right. you. Yeah. 
Um, right. No job is better than the, the wrong job, I Good. think. You don't want to get yourself stuck in a year, a place that you're going to be miserable. Right. And if you're going to be miserable, it's better you better find out before you take on the job, right? Especially right. if it means giving up something else that you already have. Yeah. Don't jump from the frying pan into the fire. Right. And we should point out, too, that there's a lot of evidence, a lot of studies that show that interviewing is a pretty in, ineffective way for choosing somebody. Yeah. And yeah. remember that they're in the same boat as you are. You know, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of gambling on both parts. And in fact, I, we were hiring some, we were getting ready to hire somebody and I turned to somebody in the department and said, why don't we just skip the interview and rent a car and have the person drive us from here to the, you know, the main train station in rush hour traffic. I said, that's all we need to know about the person. <laughs> so remember, do your best, be honest. Don't say anything that you can't back up. Ask clarifying questions so that you can fine-tune the answer and find out what people are thinking. Um, you're well-groomed. You're looking good. Bring extra copies of your CV and cover letter. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Maybe extra copies of any articles, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been asked um, – yeah, a couple of jobs that I've been – it's incredible that the things that they asked me to bring. Right. We talked about it last week, I think. Okay. Mm, papers, re- originals of papers from 18 years ago. Wow. Okay. I bring all that with oh. me that day. <clears throat> all right. So I think we've pretty much covered the interview process from the interviewee. And next time we're going to be talking about what the interviewers are really looking at. And that's from our experience, right? Yeah. Tony? Yeah. That, that, I think that one's, that's going to be kind of fun. I mean, it would be interesting for people who are looking for jobs to get, you know, a, a peek behind the curtain and things, but also, you know, other people who are doing interviews themselves and hiring people and, uh, just to get, you know, people really don't talk about that at all. I mean, what is it that you look for when you're hiring somebody? And, right. Uh, you know, mm. officially and unofficially. <laughs> exactly. And how quick the decisions are made and the this whole is decision a, process, right? Right. And we're going to try to be completely honest about that and how biased we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, we'll try to show, you know, what the kind of questions I've used were. They're kind of, I guess, trick questions that are intended to really reveal more than the person thinks they're revealing mm. and why those work and why sometimes they don't work and what is considered the ideal candidate and the less than ideal candidate. Okay. Cool. All right. So back to prepping, Tony. Okay. So this is um, Two Teachers Talking and uh, the webpage is at uh, twoteacherstalking.com. Uh, look forward to your mail, your comments. We got uh, some Good feedback this uh, this week from Allison, and uh, we'll kind of incorporate that into uh, next week from the interviewer's viewpoint. Uh, and their email is two teachers talking at gmail.com. And also, there's uh, Skype, also two teachers talking. So, okay, pretty good. So, uh, yeah, look forward to all your comments. Okay, Tony, so you have a good couple of weeks, okay? Okay, back to work. Back to work on a Sunday. See you. All right. Bye.